Good morning. How's everybody doing? Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, before I pray and we dive in, I want to recognize a couple different groups. First, I want to recognize uh, all the new people that probably came during the Easter week or Palm Sunday Easter week that are kind of checking us out. Um, I just want to encourage you to give this longer than just one Sunday. Give it a couple weeks. This series that we're in right now called The Lord's Prayer is a three-week series, and I challenge you to, to really truly last the whole series. Show up for the next three weeks. Challenge your faith. Challenge God. Challenge your spiritual journey and see if there's a community here, a connection here for you. And if it's not here, if it just doesn't feel right, let us know so we can help you find a place to plug in. Uh, this whole idea is God's idea, this, this church that we gather and that we celebrate and that we talk about him. It's all his idea, but oftentimes it takes us risking to be a part. And so what I would ask is that you just give us the next three weeks. That's why we're doing the series uh, talking about what it means to pray, what it means to really have a relationship with God more than just on Sunday morning listening to a guy sing or speak. Um, and so I just, I wanted to say that to those of you who are checking us out and visiting. We're so glad you're here. We're so excited. Uh, this little church is um, just, God's just doing all kinds of fun stuff with it. And so we're thankful. Um, I also want to recognize that this is the first Sunday uh, that we've ever had all of our campuses uh, together in one location. We set, shut down the downtown campus uh, last week, was the last service in, in preparation for the remodel that's going to start here soon. And uh, so we have a lot of our downtown members here at this service right now. So we just want to welcome you guys. We're really excited that you're here. And uh, it's, a little, it's a little brighter. It's a little louder. Yep, yep. It's, uh, but we love having you. And you're going to see some of them diving right in. Like, who's the new guy greeting? He's not new. He just used to go to the other campus. So, uh, But the remodel, it, it, it's really exciting to see all that God's doing. Pastor Tom will come up and give you guys an update here in a few weeks, let you guys know uh, what's going on with that. But uh, I just want to thank those guys for being here and, and, and switching venues, and it's, it's really great to have them. It's really fun to see a couple of them back there opening doors and greeting, and it's neat to be all together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to pray, and uh, let's see. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray very simply that the Lord would, would show you today something new about prayer that, that maybe he hasn't yet revealed to you. I'm going to ask that whatever distractions you brought in, whatever stuff's going on in your mind, swirling around inside you, that you would just take a second, kind of be really present, be really where you are, and ask God, God, show me something. God, teach me something. Kind of awaken me, uh, um, convict me, uh, uh, love me, uh, make me feel, Lord, anything to let you know, to let me know that, that, that you're doing this work within me. And so I just want to take a second and kind of just prepare us for that prayer, because as you're going to see here in a minute, that's a big part of prayer, not just moving into it or using it as a segue to get to another thing, but prayer is supposed to be a time where you come before God, you slow down, you're inside and you're outside, and you just be present with him now. So let's just do that. Let's just do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in this room right now. I thank you for the journey they're on. We recognize, Lord, that so many of us are coming from so many different paths with so many different backgrounds and worldviews. And God, that's what's so miraculous about your word, about your living scripture and spirit. It's that it meets all those needs right where they are perfectly. So, Lord, we just, we just open our hearts. We open our ears. We open our hands and our eyes. And we ask, Lord, that you would place within us just a sense 
of your presence and your purpose. We thank you, Father, that we can gather and talk about you, that we can wrestle with you, that we can be led by you and pastored by you and shepherded by you. You are so intimately connected, we don't even see all the different things that you're maneuvering around in order for us to experience just a little bit more of who you are. You're the greatest thing that's ever been. We are thankful, God, that we get to sit here in your presence and learn about you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, let me just kind of get started with a couple obvious things in, re- uh, in relation to prayer. The first one is that most of us, no matter how long we've been Christians, um, are intimidated by prayer. And, I, and I, I know that because for most of us in the room, I'm going to guess less than uh, 10% of the people in the room would be comfortable if I pointed at them right now, asked them to stand up and pray out loud. Yeah, people are like, oh, no, no. I brought a guest, and I, this is not cool. I'm not going to ask anybody to do that. But I have done things like that in the past, and it has damaged people because the reality is that people don't often pray out loud. As a matter of fact, I know of longtime Christians who have never prayed out loud. They've only internalized prayer. I know of couples that have accepted Christ. That You might be some here right now, and this is, I think, a... Uh, I don't think it should be, but it is a very normal thing, who have never prayed with each other. And a big part of this uh, reasoning is because they don't feel like they can mess it up. They feel intimidated by uh, the prayers they've heard before, and they don't feel like they can match those prayers. So in essence, they feel kind of ignorant, like they don't really know how. And I just want you to know the church has done a really bad job of highlighting what prayer is supposed to be and how it's supposed to look. And it's usually guys like me whose fault it is. Because guys like me, while I'm talking to you, my mind, the way I'm built, is thinking about the next thing I'm going to say right now. It's just how I'm built. So I'm very comfortable praying or talking or sharing because I'm processing whatever else it is that I'm thinking next. And so guys like me will show up to a spiritual place and they will feel led. And I'm not saying it's not genuine, but sometimes it feels a little bit over the top and kind of ridiculous if you really were to break down the words because people with this gift will pray like, Lord, thank you for the ribbons of your glory that fall down upon the hills of my presence. Thank you, God, for your bountiful blessings that rest within the antlers of your love that come upon me and come near to my campfire. Hence... feeding my entire family from the bounty of your bosom or whatever else, right? And it's, it's just, it's crazy. It's just, it, 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 and people are like, is that what he expects from me? Like, I am, if God thinks that's what praying is, then, then I'm, I'm clearly unqualified. And so I don't want to look stupid. And so therefore, I just won't pray. I certainly won't pray out loud. When in reality, according to the Bible, and we're going to study this right now, really the most basic definition of prayer is just talking to God. And let me be honest, if I was, and I've gotten better at this as I've, as I've seen this more and more in the church, and I hope you sense that in some of the prayers that you hear from me here, but as I've gotten better and better at hearing from God in my own prayer life, I have realized that there is no one else in my life I talk to like that but him. Like, I never talk to my wife that way, ever. Thank you for this delicious feast. I can tell that your hands prepared it for the nourishment of my body. You are the greatest wife in the history of wives. <laughs> I, just, I don't even have that cadence or that tone. When I talk to my wife, I'm like, this meal was good, and I'm grateful. 
And she's like, glad you like it. That's actually a lot more authentic when it comes to what prayer is supposed to be. It's supposed to be just talking with God. It's supposed to be just sharing with him and who he is. As a matter of fact, one of the most powerful prayers that ever impacted my life, you've heard before because I stole it from a brand new believer. We were at, a, I think it was a camp, and this young man came to Christ, and we decided to close this session with a prayer of thankfulness. Everybody was praying, and this kid, he was young, he was probably 14, 15 years old, decided first time ever, just came to the Lord to pray. And everybody else had prayed, including me, these big bountiful antlers Ribbons of glory, waterfalls of grace sort of prayers, right? And everybody just kept praying, and it was fun because we're, we were having fun. We were, we were, we were alley-ooping and setting up and dunking, and it was just this beautiful prayer time. And all of a sudden, you can tell he's going to pray. And it's like, oh, he, he's going to pray. He just accepted Christ yesterday. And he gets real quiet, and he starts trembling. And I'm like, it's okay. And he goes, God, it's me. And the room just fell apart. Because he was just being himself. You've heard this. You've heard this when we do prayers around here and offer people salvation. We start off all the time with, hey, God, it's me. You've realized you don't have to introduce yourself to God. He knows clearly who you are. You realize there's no need for you to be formal. Hello, Father. Nice to meet you. Very excited that you're here. You know, like, there's none of that with the Lord. He's ready, he's connected, and he's available. And so when we pray, we need to understand that so much of what we thought we knew about prayer was taught to us by people who felt really good about making you feel like you couldn't pray and they could. Church is terrible at this kind of stuff. Terrible at this kind of stuff. People, people have so many misconceived ideas about so many spiritual things because somebody else got just a little bit of value out of making other people feel less than when they were highlighted in this specific way. I mean, I've seen it everywhere from worship to, to of course, prayer to serving to giving. You know, I, I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, and, and I didn't grow up in a church like this, but my friends grew up in a church that you had different levels of medals you could wear according to how much you gave. Like you were a bronze giver or a silver giver or a gold giver. Right? That's, that's not what giving's about, just so you know. That's not what singing's about. You don't have to sound like these people to worship God. God receives all forms of worship and all forms of, 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 of glory. And all you got to do most of the time is be you. You got to talk to him. You got to engage him. You got to connect with him. God loves the exchange between you and himself the same that I love the exchange between my children and myself. For we serve a God who really wants nothing more than to fellowship. Fellowship with God is the heart of prayer. He wants connection. He wants community. And let me share one other thing with you uh, that you, I think it's important for you to realize. We serve a God, if, if you ever went to a wrestling match or wrestled, I wrestled in high school just a little bit, and uh, when you wrestle, you wrestle at a weight class. Okay, And sometimes for fun, they put light guys, smaller guys with huge guys, and they just toss them all around. And it's not fun for the smaller guy, but the bigger guy, he loves it, right? And I think sometimes what happens in prayer is people think that God is this incredible weight class that I'm trying to reach one day. I'm trying to become heavier in my spiritual thinking and in my spiritual presence when really what it's more like is when you wrestle with your grandchild or you wrestle with your daughter when she's two or three years old. Like what a terrible father you would be if you just came full force on your daughter like, oh, we're going to wrestle. That's what, all right, that's what we're going to do. You asked for it. You ready? 
Like nobody would do that. You'd get down on your knees and you'd grab hold and probably a lot of the times you'd actually make their, I did, I used to make my girls think they were winning. Like, oh, you're so strong, I can't believe it. Let's wrestle, right? And, and, and the more they thought they were winning, the harder they would wrestle. Oftentimes when it comes to your prayer life, and I'll even pour this over all your spiritual lives, you forget to realize that we have a God who has wrestled in the Bible with his children and he met them right where they were at. If you're brand new with God, if you are an atheist and you've decided just to investigate, God can wrestle with atheists all day long. God can wrestle with brand new Christians and God can wrestle with all the theologians in the room. God will meet you where you're at. And a lot of times he'll, he'll sit right inside there and he'll wrestle with all your fears and all your concerns because what he wants is all of you present with all of him. And so as we talk about this right now, and as some of these concepts hit you right where you are, some of them you're like, I need to remember that, but I'm not there yet. Some of them are like, yeah, I was dealing with that a while back. Recognize this is the Holy Spirit guiding you perfectly to a place where he can have community and connection with you, where he can be in relationship like a, like a father wrestling with his two-year-old daughter and saying, you're so awesome and you're so valuable and I'm gonna apply just enough strength so that you know I'm still dad, but oh, look at that, what a great move. I'm so encouraged. Oh, we're engaged. This is the picture. I want to paint for you over the next three weeks of how you're supposed to be engaging your God. And some of you, that's scary because you've had damage done to you in this kind of place. You've given over to people with some sort of spiritual authority who then took advantage of what you were or how you thought. And I'm here to tell you that is not of the Lord. That is not of the Spirit of God and what He wants. He wants fellowship, He wants relationship. And he wants to wrestle with you today right where you are. Just give a little space for that to soak in for a second. Right where you are. You think you're brilliant? God thinks you're brilliant too. You think you got it figured out? God will wrestle with you at that level if you need to. You think you don't have enough? God will sit with you there as well. You think you're too broken to be healed? God gets that. Right where you are. That's where all of this starts. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, be, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Every single thing in your life can be prayed about. Everyone. Your sister takes your shoes and goes and mows the yard in them, so now your white shoes are green. You can pray to God about that. It's a real situation that happened in my life recently. <laughs> Not my sister. <laughs> my girls, right? You can pray to God about that, honest to goodness. You find out that you have a sickness that you, you didn't even know existed. You can pray to God about that. There is that much spectrum in this relationship. Anything that brings anxiousness to your life, you can pray to God about. And this is exactly the kind of prayers we see described in the Bible. They're not all coming from the same thing, and they don't all want the same thing. Exodus 32, 11 is a prayer seeking God's favor. But Moses, he implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? He's imploring God. He's seeking God's favor. He's requesting a, a favor and blessing from God. 
1 Samuel 1.15, you can pour out your soul to the Lord. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. 2 Chronicles 32.20, instead of pouring out, what about crying out? Then Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. Psalm 73.28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. In Ephesians 3.14, one of my favorite ones, for this reason, I just bow my knees before the Father because I just don't know what to say. So many people with so many different stories and situations coming at God from all different directions and every one of them, God was willing and engaged in who they are. For all of this, and I'll put this up here, is communication of the human soul with the Lord who created the soul. Why wouldn't he receive it? It's the part of you connected to the part of him that brings community, that brings fellowship, that brings relationship. And let me say this before I move on into really studying what the Lord Jesus said uh, in regards to how we should pray. If you struggle with a prayer life, if you struggle with this a lot, maybe start by praying about it. Maybe start praying about your prayer life. Maybe go to God and say, I just don't do this well. God, it's, it's me. And I don't even know if you're there. I feel crazy right now. Like I'm just talking to myself. But I'm praying to you that you would reveal yourself to me. I'm praying to you that you would show me. I'm praying to you that you would allow me to experience you. Pray about your prayer life if it's something that you struggle with. And don't stop. That's why I said for those of you that are interested in this church thing, there's a reason God brought you here. You've got to participate for longer than just one Sunday to give us a pass-fail. You, and you're not really judging me, by the way. You're really just seeing and seeking if there's any sort of merit to what it is that's happening here for you on your spiritual journey. Which, by the way, I love this postmodern uh, post-Christian almost now uh, society because the best part about it is rarely do I sit with young 20-somethings who don't believe in some kind of spirituality. They just don't know if they believe in this spirituality. I'm in. I'll take that all day long. Great. Come in our service. Meditate the whole time. Ask your inner self to check out what's going on because I believe in the Holy Spirit and he's already sitting there waiting for you. It's going to freak you out a little bit, but I'm okay with that. Pray about your prayer life. Pray and be committed and don't stop. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing. It's not a one-time thing. You don't get inoculated and go, well, I'm good to go now. I prayed once. Almost got in a car accident and I said, oh my God, right? Oh. <laughs> I did pray. Time of crisis. I feel like I have a strong prayer life. I don't think that's what we're going to see here in our study. So intro to the Lord's Prayer. This is a really, really well-known verse, and that kind of is an unfortunate thing because most people, uh, because it's so well-known, are like, I think I already understand everything you're going to teach. And, and that could be so, but uh, I think if you really stop and look at the verse for what it is and begin to unpack it, there's going to be something in it for you. The verse, uh, really there's two verses, two times that Jesus teaches us how to pray. And one thing that's really neat for us to realize is that it's not one occasion written by two different authors, it's actually two completely different occasions. The first one is in Luke, and it's when Jesus is walking with his disciples. It's Luke 11, starting in verse 1. It says, 
Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So that's the one time that Jesus teaches it. The other time is within the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, it's chapter 6. And it's pretty straightforward in verse 5. Jesus is teaching on prayer to a large crowd of people. And he says again, this is how you are to pray. Start in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like antlers of love and ribbons of glory as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you grew up in church... Someone probably taught you to continue the prayer with, for thine is the kingdom, yeah, and the glory, yeah, all that, right? That's not in the Bible. Did you know that? That's not part of the Lord's Prayer. Stop saying that. Now, you can say it on your own, but don't say it and teach it to people like, yeah, that's the verse. Nope, not the verse. It's not in the Bible. That's what somebody did, and do you know why? Because they didn't like this idea, which we'll talk about eventually, of temptation even being, they didn't like the close of the prayer. They they basically said, oh, Jesus, I think you might have left something out there. Let's close that thing on an up note. That's not what's here. So we're going to unpack that in week three. But for today, for today, we're just going to take that opening sentence. And actually, there's a card on your seat, and this is for you to take home. This is for you to take home so that you can see where we're going to be next, meditate on where we're going to be next, pray where we're going to be next. But today, we're going to start just in that top box. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're going to talk about today. The next week, the next two, and the last week, the last two. So let's start just with that. First, in regards to this overall Lord's Prayer, Many people misunderstand the Lord's Prayer to be a prayer we are supposed to recite word for word. They believe that it's some sort of magical formula that if we say to God, God then has to do whatever it is we want him to do. But the Bible actually teaches the opposite. God is far more interested in our hearts when we pray than he is in our words. Another passage in Matthew 6, God says again, Jesus, when you pray, go into your room. Again, close the door. And pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, he says it again. Do not use vain repetitions 
as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. He's teaching us this and showing us this and, and causing us to, to experience uh, this reality that we are going to want to control this. We are going to want to teach people how to say something very specific in a very correct or incorrect way so that once we master it, we can then say we have the keys to getting whatever we want from God. And so he says over and over, and that's a whole other translation of the same passage, that God is not interested in how well you talk. He just really doesn't care. Like at all. Which is devastating to a guy like me because I am so good at praying. It's like one of my things. And the more I study it, the less I'm like, yeah, God just doesn't care at all. He's like, listen, Danny, that's cool and all, but I mean, I want you to go out into the community and like have fellowship. And I'm like, but I'm so good at, at playing catch by myself. Look how high I can throw it. And God's like, but that's really neat. But you're supposed to, you're supposed to be in community. There's supposed to be a back and forth. And by the way, you're supposed to be praying what I lay on your heart to pray. And the Holy Spirit isn't required to be some level of articulate that you think he's required to be. As a matter of fact, Danny, I'm pretty sure you don't get to require anything of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then I'm back to, God, it's me. Back to my heart breaking. And I don't know if we'll ever lose that here at Kesed. And I've never shared why I opened salvation prayers that way. But it impacted me. I hope it impacts you. And I hope you realize no matter how many times or how many verses I give to you, God does not care how articulate you sound. He only cares that your heart is present. So what is the Lord prayer accomplishing then? Why does Jesus teach it twice in two different locations? First, the Lord's Prayer should be understood in, as an example and a pattern of how to pray. It gives us, if you will, the ingredients that should go into prayer. Uh, just take that opening phrase. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just take that opening phrase. The first thing you need to see about just that opening verse is that it's Father-focused. Okay, and this is really, really important, especially for the time that, that we're dealing with here. Because at this time in this culture, and as in most cultures, there was a priestly system of existence. So this priestly system said that for you to get to the creator, right, the, the one who founded it all, you've got to come through me. And you've got to bring a sacrifice, place your sins upon the sacrifice, and then I will kill that animal, therefore his life in exchange for your life, and then I will take it into the holies of holy, and I will lay it down, and God will receive that sacrifice, and your, your sins will be forgiven for that year. And suddenly Jesus shows up, and he's like, yeah, no more. He's like, I'm about to grant you access to the Father. So when you pray, just go straight to the Father. Now, this is very important. And, and I, I hope this just, I hope this frustrates some of you as much as it frustrates me. Just because it says here that you can pray to the Father doesn't mean you can't pray to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of times in the Bible we read something and we go, oh, well, then that's what it's meant to be. When instead what God is actually saying is, of course you can pray through Jesus and of course you can engage with the Holy Spirit. But here's what you really need to know. That due to the gift I gave you of the cross of Jesus Christ, you can go straight to the Father. You can enter straight into the throne room. And that's profound. Other verses that back that up. Psalm 5.2 is foreshadowing this. When David says, listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. This is a Father-directed prayer. Okay, even before 
It was really allowed. David's already there. He knows. He knows that there's a difference going to be made, and he's already praying there. But then, we can also pray to the Lord Jesus. For when we pray to the Lord Jesus, we pray as to the Father because they are equal. Stephen, we talked about him just a few weeks ago, the very first martyr of the church. As he was being martyred, prayed in Acts 7.59, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This is what it says. What about the Holy Spirit? We can also pray in the Spirit. We're actually told to pray to the Spirit. The Spirit helps us to pray even when we do not know how or what to say or ask. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. The reality is we pray to God. And God is all three. He's triune. And this is a beautiful part of the Christian faith. It's one of the only things that... that that really I think we really have a hard time understanding because we want to understand it so much. And so we come up with these lame illustrations, like it's like an egg. There's the yolk, and there's the white, and there's the shell, but it's all still an egg. And I'm like, eh, that's kind of cool and sort of true. But the reality is they're all one. And here's the most significant reason, I think, for us to try to just put our minds around the Trinity when it comes to praying To God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, all is one. And that has to do with the statement that is told over and over and over again in Scripture, which is that God is love. See, for God to be love and for us to be created out of love, love has to exist between different parties. See, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing from all time. And there was love between them as there was mutual submission between them. Therefore, like a husband and wife to get married and create a child out of love, we are created out of love. Did you know that there is no other belief system, none, that have love before creation? The entity or deity creates, says it is good, and then bestows love. But see, our God was always love. Because there's all three of him in one. Now, here's the best part. That's supposed to blow your mind. That's supposed to send you spinning a little bit. That's supposed to be something that you're like, I need to really think on this. Because it is mind-blowing. If you could figure it out, then maybe you should be God. So let it be mind-blowing. Let it be something you wrestle with. And be comfortable praying if it's in Jesus or to the Holy Spirit or to God the Father. I like this quote. Perhaps the best way to understand the role of the Trinity in prayer is that we pray to the Father through or in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) If that's helpful, awesome. But once again, what we see from this phrase is that Jesus is highlighting what most before and many after were missing, which is that we have access to the Father and to his throne room through Jesus Christ and now through the presence of the Holy Spirit proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. All three are active participants in the believer's prayer. Now, one other thing that's very important before I move on to the next phrase in today's uh, portion of the Lord's Prayer. Because this is teaching us what or who to pray to, it's also teaching us who not to pray to. Now, I recognize that we have a lot of folks that are on all kinds of different spiritual journeys. As a matter of fact, last service I had a great discussion with a young man regarding this because this has been something that I've discovered is very common in in church. But people believe, first off, especially if you grew up Catholic, that you can pray to Mary or you can pray to saints. Another very common thing that exists right now is that people pray to their dead relatives. They seek help from, from a dead relative, from somebody that was important to them that has passed on, and then they're like, no, I sense them helping me. I'm just going by what the Bible says, but according to the word of God, that's not real. 
That is not who we pray to. We pray to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one triune God, and he will not share his glory with anyone else that you think you're getting strength from according to our scriptures. Okay, and that's what we're about here. Okay, I'm not, and I'm not even saying that you have to be fully bought in right now. I'm just saying, spend some time on it. Maybe pray about it. <laughs> Hopefully not to your, your, you know, past relative. Like, are you real? I, I, I want to be, I really want to cautious you about that. And here's the basic reason for that. Um, it's quite simple. God just doesn't share his glory with anybody else, including your incredible great aunt. He's just not going to do that. Um, it's just not what he's about. Isaiah 42, 8, if you want a verse, says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Yeah. Okay, it's a little thick in here right now. <laughs> a whole lot of dead relatives really upset with me at the moment. But um, Okay, so let's look at the next phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. This has to do with some very core stuff to us and our humanity. And that is who is going to win in the end when it comes to wills. The will of Danny or the will of God. It says here that we are to pray for God's will to be done. It's a reminder to us that we are to pray for God's plan in our lives and the world, not our own plan. When we make petitions to God, all we're doing is letting him know exactly where we stand and what we would like to see happen. But it doesn't mean that God is going to make what we want to see happen, happen. No matter how genuine, no matter how righteous. In our prayers, we must always, when stating our will, admit that God is greater than we are and ultimately knows what is best in any given situation. Look at Romans 11. Look at, look at what Paul, who is powerful and healer and minister and scripture writer, look what Paul says in the end during the midst of all his suffering. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how in, inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given, gift, given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Leave that verse up there. So at the beginning, it says, I read earlier the verse that says we're to pray to God about everything, right? Everything. Anything and everything that you want to bring to God is appropriate to bring to God, to, to the Father, Son, and, and Holy Ghost, right? But it also says that to God are all things, which means God gets to answer which prayers he wants. Now, this is where it gets really tricky because you start praying and you're like, oh, okay, so God answers some prayers and God answers uh, other prayers. No, I wasn't done. God gets to answer the prayers he wants how he wants. I would even go as far to say that God never doesn't answer prayers that are within his will. He just doesn't answer them how you want him to. You're like, give me a verse, Danny. Great idea, let me do that for you. First, I like this quote. The key to answered prayer is praying according to the will of God and in accordance with his word. God answers all prayers, but not always how you want. Look at 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Anything according to his will, he hears us. And what's so, what's so crazy about this is that if you fully gave over your will to God, if you as one monk said, Actively surrender, not passively surrender. Like, oh, we lost. 
It's time to, okay, yeah, no problem. Hands in the air, no problem. No, if you actively, searchingly surrender who you are to God and are within the will of God, then your prayers will pray, God, I want your will for my life. I want your will for my family. I want your will for my situation. I want your will, God, with everything in me for everything you do is good. And from that place, you will then pray, God, I want this to happen. And then God will answer sometimes, yes. Sometimes he's going to answer, wait up, wait a minute. Sometimes not yet. Sometimes follow me a little longer. Sometimes we'll see. And sometimes God's answer, no. Sometimes God's answer is no. There's a verse in the Bible that says God brings all deliverance. I've had people bring that to me, especially when they're dealing with terminal illness or when they're dealing with something just beyond their understanding. And they're like, but it says God will bring deliverance. Yes, my friends, but hear me. Sometimes God's deliverance is through death. Sometimes God delivers you into his presence. And so you want this person to live three or four more years. You want to live three or four more years. But God says, but I want you to be with me. It's best for you to be with me. God always answers prayers, but they're not always how we think. And oftentimes that means we pray wrong. James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This is so very important for us to see. It's so very important for us to understand that we serve a God who wants you to pray and he wants you to bring it all. And then he will highlight what's in his will and what's just Danny not really surrendering Danny. This is such a central part of any spiritual journey because any spiritual journey is discovering a sense of what is true. And I'm here to tell you, and I've said it before, there is no truth in any of you here. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through the cross of Christ. That's it. That's why this communion we're going to do here in a moment is so critical, because you recognize the body and the blood, and you participate so that you can enter the throne room in the name of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit right into the Father's presence. This is what it means. But you've got to actively surrender your will, and you've got to question your motives. That's why prayer is so important, because we sit in a place, and we come before God, and then God says, all right, let's wrestle, and he begins to point out to us different things that we're dealing with, different things that are really poor motives, poor distractions, poor things that keep us from who we're supposed to be. I came across a prayer recently. It's a four-minute prayer called the welcoming prayer, and it's this whole idea that I'm talking about of actively surrendering to God, of saying to God, God, I want to give over my life purposely with discipline and, and, and forethought. I want to surrender my will for your will. The writer of this is a, is a monk. He's a, he's a monk, a real monk, like with the robe and everything. It's awesome. And he's just got this, all this beautiful spiritual contemplation, believes in Jesus Christ and all the things. And he comes forward and he says this. I want you to read this uh, quote of his in regards to people who don't understand how to come before God and give over their wills. He says this regarding our motivations. In other words, motivation is any impulse, emotion, or desire that moves one to action. For example, greed. In early childhood, our motivations are appropriately developmental. Our needs for affection and esteem, control, power, safety, and security move us to actions that will get those needs met. That all makes sense if you spend any time with any two-year-old for any amount of uh, time. They're going to do whatever they can to have their needs met. When a set of actions is successful, 
In getting our needs met, the actions are reinforced and we repeat them. As we rely on the same set of actions again and again, our pattern of behavior establishes a lifetime program for happiness and a false self-system. As Friar Keating explains, as we mature, the pattern ceases to work the way it once did. So you go to work and you pout your arms and you stomp your feet and you're like, I don't like the way you're talking to me and now I'm going to ignore you. And people are like... What, what are you doing right now? And you're like, this is how I function. This is how I provide safety for myself. It doesn't work like it did. Yet like robots with only one or two programmed options for behavior, we continue in the same patterns over and over and over again, hoping that they will eventually lead to the same success they did in infancy by bringing us happiness and contentment. And so we build these lives out of our false selves that basically don't match anything that, that is going on inside us. And so our outside world, although we get more and more disciplined, okay, here's my illustration, although your outside world is static and clean, right, and pure, your inside world, no matter how disciplined you are or even sitting in the seats, is spinning. And so what prayer does is slows you down on the outside until the inside of you catches up. And suddenly you're in a place where you can think clearly, not from a false self that everyone sees while the inside is going crazy, but actually from a whole self perspective. This is why God says, come to the Father. And he says, and ask for his will in your life. For the Father, my friends, deals with this, not this. This is what he's speaking to. So you can present and showcase all day long. But when it all comes down to your journey, this is what's being measured. And if all day long, everything about you is really like this, while people see you walk around all together, while inside there's just turbulence and movement, then no wonder you struggle to actually be a whole person when you're still living like you did when you were outside the church or outside your marriage or outside this life that God has called you into. You're still functioning on an old false self system. This is what prayer does. This is what the will of God does. It stops you. It slows me, and this is not easy for me to do. I struggle with this, which is why I'm so passionate about it. I mean, I am a hurricane inside half the time. I'm feeling so much that I want to see and happen, and what's so great is as my prayer life has grown more and more, God has over and over said, Danny, we're just going to wait on a, whatever that is to go away. And I'm like, but Lord, there's so much to do. And the people around me are like, man, you seem calm. And I'm like, I'm so calm. <laughs> you know this, right? You know this. So I'm practicing this. And what I'm doing, I'm going to invite you to do. I'm, I'm starting this week. I'm starting my day every day with this welcoming prayer. And so what I've done is I've put it uh, in video form on our app and on our website. And we'll have it on Facebook. It'll be up as soon as we leave here today. And what I'd like you to try right now is doing it with me. So I'm going to play it for you. It's going to be four minutes of seeing, and, and some of you, it's going to just simply expose this inside self, not being able to sit with this outside self. And, and I think that's important to, to, to recognize that. For others, it's going to be uncomfortable. For some, it's going to be one of the most beneficial things you've ever done in your life. But my challenge is this, for this whole week, Sunday to Sunday, that you start every single morning with this four-minute prayer. Then I'm going to come back up with the band and we're going to have a song of reflection, and we're going to offer communion just to those. This is really important, because we're having communion all three weeks in this series. Communion every week is not something to check off a list once a month, because it's all three weeks. Some of you, you shouldn't take communion. 
This isn't your week. You've got stuff that you're going to feel stirring inside you. Some of you, this is your week. This is your time to commit to identify with Christ, the body, and the blood. For others, I don't know. Welcome to contemplation. Welcome to inside and outside life coming together to be real before God as we enter his throne room all the way to the Father's glory and as we surrender our full will to him. Let's pray together.